וכמה דף כ"ז עמוד ב', מיינדר ומטה, אין דרכם של בני אדם להתבונן בדרכים. We've been having some very difficult Gemara the last period of time, some wonderful Gemara, but difficult Gemara. So today we'll take something more, more easy. It's in fact from, from Daf Chav Zayin, not from Daf Chav Chet. It was a piece that I referenced in the source sheet yesterday, but didn't get to dealing with it, so we'll deal with it today in greater detail. And a really important idea that comes, which is the whole approach of Torah Jew to thinking, is thinking, the way we're trained to think about thinking is that thinking is a tool, it's a process, it's the way you solve a problem, it's a way, the way you think about something. It's to get to a specific outcome. But we'll see that for in, a, in a Torah person's life, thinking is not a tool to be used in order to get to an outcome. Thinking is a state of being. It's a way of being. Let's try and understand that. Says the, the Mishnah, we've learned the Mishnah already. Our famous Ming vase is sitting in the middle of uh, Dizengoff Street in Tel Aviv, and somebody trips over it and breaks it. His potter doesn't have to pay. And the Gemara asked, why, you'll remember? Surely he should look where he's walking. I understand it's not supposed to be there, but you don't walk over things. You're conscious, you're aware of where you're walking. So Shmuel said yesterday, we're talking about where it's dark. His sight was obstructed. Implying, says Shmuel, if you could see, you're supposed to look where you're walking. And even though the Ming vase shouldn't be in the street in Rechov Dizengov, if it is there, you don't walk on it. But further on, the Gemara comes to a different conclusion, which the Rif Paskins Lahalacha. Amale Rabbi Abel Rav Ashi Hachi Amri Bemarova Mashmed Rabbi Ula. This was answered differently, says Rabbi Abba to Ravashi in the West, meaning in Eretz Israel. This was answered differently in the name of Rabbi Ula. And Rabbi Ula said, Now this has got nothing to do with whether it's dark or there was an obstructing corner or there was some reason why he couldn't see the Ming vase on the street in, in the Chov Dizengof. That's got nothing to do with it. It's not normal for a human being to look where he's going, says Rabbi Ula. What do you mean it's not normal for a human being to look where he's going? But well, that doesn't mean that he goes bumping into things all over. It does mean that if you're walking in a place where you're not expecting there to be obstacles, you're not looking where you're going. So yes, if you're walking through an, a minefield, you, look, you, you make sure that there are no mines where you're about to walk. If you're walking in an area where, where there are you, there's a child's playroom, you're walking through, walking through a kindergarten, you check that you're not standing on things and that you're not kicking things because you know there are going to be things all over the floor. But if you're walking in the, on the sidewalk in Rechov Dizengof, you, you make an assumption that it's clear and you, and you walk, you don't look. That's what we're going to understand more deeply. What does this mean? We've been learning for the last several days that a human being has no excuses. That you have a mind, you have awareness, you have eyes, you have senses. You are responsible for what you do. When you are the agent of damage, you can never say it was beyond my control. A human being doesn't have that luxury to say it was beyond your control. Nothing is beyond a human being's control. You can control almost everything. Does that mean there's no case of onus? Is there no case of, of something being beyond any human, human control in the case of a human being? Well, we, we've had different views in understanding. We've had the, the Ramban. We've had the view of the Nemuke Yosef and of Tosfus that the, the only time that, that you are not responsible is if somebody else is. 
if somebody else has intervened and become the agent of the damage, then you are no longer the agent of the damage. But if you are the single agent of damage, then you can't use any excuse that this was beyond my control. You chayev because you were the agent of damage. If that's the case, how can I say I wasn't looking where I was going? Well, you should have been looking where you were going. And even if you weren't looking where you were going, you were the agent of damage. Maybe it was Hashkocha that the Rebbe Shalom decided that the owner of the Ming vase was going to be $30,000 less, uh, less wealthy at the end of the day. But you were chosen as the means for that, as we, as we learned yesterday, and therefore you're responsible for that. Tosfus goes a step further in explaining it. And Tosfus says, Lefisha in Darkan Adam Bidrachim, We'll see further on on Daphnun Bay is that in the daytime when an ox can see, a person is patu because a shore can see where, where he's going, an ox can see where he's going. Says Tosus, that's because a shore enav lamata adam. An ox's eyes are down, an ox looks down, an animal looks down. So an animal is expected to see where it goes more than a human being. And that, that's interesting because that goes counter to everything we've been learning. We've been learning, animals have got reasons to say it was instinct, what could I do, it wasn't. This is what, what, what animals do, animals eat, animals walk over things, animals graze. That's what animals do. In our Gemara so far, in the cases of Niske Shor, there's always more reason to excuse an animal than there is to excuse a human being. A human being should take responsibility for everything that he does. But in this case, we're saying, no, the ox should look where he's going because an ox has got eyes down on the street. A human being's eyes are looking forward. He's not looking on the street. That's so difficult to understand. A human being can move his head. He can move his eyes around. He can take in the whole scene. His head isn't fixed looking forward. He can look wherever he wants. So if we say that a human being is always a muad, is responsible, why don't we hold him responsible to look where he's going? He can move his head, he can move his eyes. What is Tosfus saying? So for that we need the Namuki Yosef. And the way I'm going to learn the Namuki Yosef with you is that the Namuki Yosef is expanding Tosfus. He's not disagreeing with Tosfus. We're getting to know the Namuki Yosef well. And I just, he's the most wonderful Rebbe as we work our way through Bovakama. Says the Namuki Yosef, Bishum da Adam bal machshavotu. Where's a person's mind when he's walking down Dizengoff Street? He's reviewing the matmonim of that morning. That's where his mind is. What do you think? He's looking at shop windows. He's just had an incredible piece of Gemara. He's learned something that Rabbi Ula said, that Rav, Rabbi Abba brings to Rav Ashi in Babylon from Eretz Yisroel, a gem of an idea that answers the question the Gemara is grappling with in a way much more sophisticatedly than the Gemara and the Bavli that, that Shmuel himself and others have answered. There comes this mind-blowing idea from Eretz Yisrael to Bovel. And you've got a Tosfus that is very difficult to understand, but an Amuki Yosef who expands it. And are you looking at Ming vases? Is that where your head is? Are you looking at what's on the Dizengoff Street? Is that where your mind is? Your mind is in Bovel. Your mind is in Eretz Yisrael. Your mind is on a page of Gomorrah. Your mind is in an idea which is life-changing, which changes the way you look at the universe. Why would you be looking at a Ming vase? The Adam Bal Machshavotu. Va'agav tir de deliba. And his mind is occupied. Lav urche It's unnatural for him to look where he's going. Unbelievable concept. He doesn't say he's excused because another Adam Muad it would be unnatural for him to see the Ming vase. 
That's why I say to you often when we're sitting and we're learning and somebody walks in and everybody looks up, like what, has Mashiach just walked in? What could be more interesting than the Gomorrah you're learning? What are, so who walked in? The chances are it's one of the wonderful people who we see every morning. Say so he's walked in. You look up, you'll see the same person again this morning. The chances are it's not even a visitor. And if it's a visitor, it's very possibly somebody you know or somebody just like you and I. It's unlikely to be a Malach. It's unlikely to be Mashiach. So why would that distract you from, from Rabbi Ula bringing some news to Ravashi? Why would that distract you? It's lavulche. It's not normal to be distracted from where your head is, from where your mind is, says the Gemara. What does that mean? So to understand the Nemuch Yosef. So we've used Rabbi Ula to understand the Mishnah. We've used Tosvis to understand Rabbi Ula. We've used the Nemuch Yosef to understand Tosvis. But it's still not clear. At the end of the day, in Adam Muad Alam, at the end of the day, I understand your head's in the, t- in the, in the Gomorrah, but you're walking in Rechov go. You don't go bumping into people because your head's in the Gomorrah. You've got to look where you're going. Why are you excused? The Me'iri goes a little further. Says the Me'iri, the difference is, Animals don't think. They, they feel. They're instinctual. So you can't say an animal is distracted by his thoughts. An animal has had his mind somewhere else. An animal doesn't have a mind. An animal just goes with his instincts, so he feels it. And furthermore, he's, he, what he goes with is, Animals have natural instincts to notice threats to their safety. So they're looking out for it all the time. They're very alert for threats to their safety. They're looking for survival. Animals are driven by a survival instinct. And here you've got an unbelievably important psychological principle, which, which Viktor Frankl brings to the, to the world of psychology, but we've got in the Gomorrah. What, what is this idea? Animals are driven by the survival instinct, but humans are not. Human safety and security is driven by what I call the, the heroic instinct, it's not an instinct, by doing something, being somewhere bigger than you. Animals take care of their survival by looking around at their environments and being very sharp at protecting themselves from anything that's going on in their environment. We protect ourselves by elevating ourselves out of our environment, by lifting ourselves right out of our environment and applying our minds to something, as, as Viktor Frankl says, something bigger than us or, something, or someone other than us. To take ourselves out of ourselves, that's where we do best. And Viktor Frankl studied that in the concentration camps and found that the biggest cause of survival were the people who were able to have their minds somewhere other than their own survival. It was the people who were taking care of others. It was the people who were thinking of the future of, of Am Yisrael. It was the people who were thinking of the future of their family. It was the people who put their minds somewhere other than their own survival are the ones who survive. That's how humans survive. We don't survive like animals do. So animal survival is dependent on them noticing Ming vases in the middle of Dizengoff Street where they shouldn't be. That's what animals do, but that's not what human beings do. A human being is looking around to see, does somebody need my help? Is somebody in trouble? Is there somebody I know that I can smile at and greet and uplift this morning, inspire somebody this morning? Can I go over the matmonim from this morning? That's where a human being is. He's not in the, the Ming vases. 
I've included here a most beautiful essay by Rabbi Ruchem Leibovitz. Rabbi Ruchem was the Mashkiach in Mir until 1936, until before this, this, the Second World War. And he was the Mashkiach. He was a Talmud of uh, the Alta of Slabotka, Talmud for a short period of Rabbi Simcha himself. And he was the Rebbe of many of the next generations of, of Rosh Hashivas. Rabbi Chaim Shmuelevitz was a Talmud of, of Rabbi Ruchem. Many of Rabbi Shmuelevitz, many of the great Rosh Hashivas of, of the post-war generation were Talmudim of Rabbi Ruchem. And Yerubi Yerucham explains that ha-machshava osa miguf nefesh. Machshava, thought, spiritualizes physicality. It takes something physical and it transforms it into something spiritual. It takes matter and converts it into energy. That's what a thought does. And the result of that, v'hi ma'abedet otam migashmiyut l'ruchniyut ma'ale otam midarga l'darga with thought, you uplift, you take an idea and you uplift the idea. Something that becomes just a, a physical object. We're talking about a shore. If you ask a farmer, what is a shore? He has a certain image of what a shore is. But if I ask one of you, what is a shore? You immediately think of Karen, you think of Tam and Muad, you think of Regal, you think of Shein. Uh, that, that's what you think of. It. That, that's, what, that's what shore means to you. It's a concept. Yoshebe Soloveitchik talks about the power of the human being, and particularly in Torah, and the way we reason in Torah, to conceptualize to turn an object into a concept. And once an object is a concept, you can work with it, you can manipulate it, you can reason with it, you can transform it, you can romanticize it into a, into a poetic image, you can inspire yourself and with others with it. With concept, you can do anything. Whereas with a physical object, you're bound to an ox with four legs and two horns, and that's what the, what the ox is. That's what Machshove does. Anybody who is a thinker feels this, you know. When your mind is busy with something worthwhile and something good, your whole body, your whole being becomes aligned and subject to the higher thing that you're thinking about. You are where your mind is, not where you are. That's what the human being has the capacity to do. You don't have to be where you are. You can take yourself somewhere else completely, using your mind, using your imagination, using your thought process. That doesn't mean you're not also where you are. It's like a like, Yes, your feet are on the ground and that's where they stay. But your head can be in Shamayim. That's what a human being can be. You're not confined to the physical space in which you are. You can be somewhere else. This is an, a, a tool that I often use. I'm about to travel, so I'll give you my secret. Very often when you're traveling, you find yourself in confined spaces. I get claustrophobic in confined spaces. Uh, people's energy, I don't know who these people are around me and what their energy is, and I don't want to be subject to what's in their heads and what's in their... I don't want to be part of that. So where, what do I do? I take myself out of it. I might be in an elevator for a few moments with 15 people in a tiny space. I get out of the elevator. I don't walk out of it physically. I take my mind out of it. I might be sitting in a plane for 12 hours with people I don't know and I don't know what's going on and what kind of energy there is around me. I take my mind out of it. I'm somewhere else. And that's something that one can do. You know, there's this iconic picture now of this elderly woman who was abducted and she's sitting on the golf, golf cart with an almost insane grin on her face. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody knows the picture. And people thought she's a senile old lady, didn't know what was going on. She's been taken through the streets of Gaza and she's smiling. But it emerges now that her children are speaking and that she's speaking. That was her tool. She was as sharp as a razor all the way through until now. That was her tool of survival. She was smiling because she wasn't there. She wasn't in Gaza. 
She wasn't being surrounded by those animals. She was somewhere else. Now, I don't know whether she's a religiously minded person or not, but she was thinking about the future. She, she said she knew it was going to be over. She knew she would be out of there. And she was thinking of that. That's where her mind was, getting back to her family. That's where her mind was. And she was where her mind was. She wasn't where her body was. So she's smiling. She's grinning because she's thinking happy thoughts. That wasn't insanity. That was this piece of, of, of Rabbi Ruchim. That's our Tosfus. People don't just look at these animals around them in Gaza. They can take their minds somewhere else altogether. And that way they can survive. And she did survive using that mechanism. And therefore, when we're walking around, again, that doesn't give us an excuse for absent-mindedness and to walk into people and to things. But where you can assume that things are okay, you're sitting on your own in an, in an airplane seat. Mayor Soloveitchik told me how their father taught them when they were running away from, from Europe, trying to get to Israel, how he taught them to put their mind on, on En Od Milvado, there's nothing but the Ribbon Shalom. Get your mind on that. And if you can attach your mind to that, you won't be in the space of, of harm and danger. And the miracles that happened to them as they were running away and how they evaded damage and harm because that's not where their minds were. We have the capacity, and I want to suggest to each of you, this is a difficult time, and you don't have to be bogged down with the difficulties all the time. You can escape them. That doesn't mean you're not aware of them and you're not part of them and your feelings aren't with the people that are involved in them. It just means you can take your mind somewhere else. And you can do that by always having, sometimes do it physically, have it on a piece of paper. Have a posuk, have a chazal, have something that you learned in the morning. Take the source sheets, fold them up and take them in your pocket. And you're sitting somewhere in a line, you're sitting in a traffic light, take out something, go over the Namuki Yosef, it's one line. Take your mind somewhere else. You listen, you're finding it's hard, it's difficult, you're getting difficult news all the time, you're encountering hardship. Put your mind somewhere else. Have a posuk. Sometimes people have a posuk all their lives, they have one or two psukim that they take with them. Some people every day take a different posuk or a maimer chazal or something from Pirkei Avot. Could be something you learned today, something you learned yesterday. Have something to anchor your mind when you want to take yourself out of where you are and take yourself to a different space. That's the power of, of Torah and the privilege that Baruch Hashem we have of getting together every single morning and starting our day with a new thought, with a new idea. Take the idea with you into the day and, and just let it work there. Let the idea work there. Take the idea further, extrapolate it, apply it, use it, consider it, so that during the day your mind is in Bovakama, your mind is not in Gaza. You can decide. And if your mind is in Bovakama and not in Gaza, you're in Bovakama and not in Gaza. That decides where you're going to be and that enables you to be there. And that changes your life in every possible way. And that's something you can teach also to, to members of your, of your family. Again, not an excuse for absent-mindedness, but an ability to stretch ourselves from where we are to where we're capable of being. A ladder that, that is mutsav arta. We're firm on the ground. We're not, we're not flaky. But our heads are up in Shemayim, even at the very time that our feet are on the ground.